3: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
2: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Syndicate, a
4: film and TV podcast. From our screen to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more
1: time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season we are shining the spotlight on art house films and the power of cinema within our lives. Today's focus is on the 2019 Cosmic Opera. Blood Machines, by director Seth Ickerman, with a soundtrack composed by Carpenter Brut. To unpack this film, I am accompanied by a roundtable of cinephiles. The first is a cosmic podcaster from WSTR Galactic Public Access, Aaron. Welcome back to Syndicate. Armand, thanks for having me back. I'm glad that you're back on board. And the second is a local freelance artist, Josh. Welcome back to Syndicate.
0: Thanks for having me again.
1: I'm glad that you're here. Can you get that sucker right on oh, your oh, mouth?
0: Oh, right on my mouth? Right on my right mouth. Right on my mouth? Is that better? Even more. Even more? More. Go more. deeper. Do you want me to go on my knees? Deeper. You guys are... <laughs> <laughs>
1: deeper. 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 Okay. We're okay. oh,
0: A fist length away.
1: <laughs> and finally, the Instagram model himself, the designer, uh, Diego Reyes Alicia. Welcome back, Diego. How's it going, Armand? And company. It's good to see you guys again. <laughs> it's good to see you. Likewise. And always. So we're all here today. So we watched a movie called Blood Machines. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the movie, I know some of us know the music in the film. Josh, I want, I want to know, how did you discover the artist, Carpenter Brut?
0: Uh, so Carpenter Brut, and... Him- only familiar with because of how much my playlist is polluted, work playlist is polluted with all kinds of EDM and cyberpunk-like music and futuristic music, any major cyberpunk, sci-fi, Matrix-inspired music soundtrack that you're going to find, especially on the independent scene, aka SoundCloud. You're going to have Carpenter Brut somewhere in that playlist, one way or the other. His stuff always ends up in that genre of music of industrial, EDM, hardcore, futuristic, whatever tags you want to use.
1: That is the kind of music you hear all throughout this film. Oh, yeah, because it's all composed by him. And it's just so crazy because it's like man i've been a fan of industrial for a long time and then with this crazy new movement of like synth wave uh like five or six years ago yeah and he's like the hardcore side of that type of music aaron i know you know him too how did you first discover this artist honestly just like
3: random youtube compilations of yep. synth wave um and uh Yeah, he just showed up on one of those mixes, and I'm like, oh, I'll add that to my library. And then, like, I use YouTube music, and it just keeps recommending him over and over again. I'm like,
1: yeah. Yeah. This guy's all right. Yeah. I'm, like, a hybrid of both because, like, I listen to a lot of music from YouTube, and then I get a little video as, like, a little special treat. Yeah. Those are available. And, man, Carbon and Brut, like, really stood out because it's, like, it sounds really good, not amateurish. And, like, also... Unique and inspired because, mm-hmm. like, with this uh genre, a lot of covers of like existing songs or songs from like the 80s uh, when that type of music popularized. So, like, he really stood out in the sea of synth wave. We talked about Carpenter Brut, so I, I am assuming you first listened to Turbo Killer, yep, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like the gateway drug into Carpenter Brut was Turbo Killer. Yep, that's right? pretty much, yeah, yeah. What's a Turbo Killer? Turbo Killer. So, this film, Blood Machines, that we saw, mm-hmm. is all composed by this one uh, artist in France, and he creates hardcore synthwave music. Oh, and, and this is Carpenter Brut. So, this is Blood. Yes, and this is Blood Machines, and then it was inspired from a music video.
4: Wait, the movie was inspired by a music video?
1: Yeah. By
4: which music video? Turbo Killer.
3: Oh, the one Armand sent in the group chat weeks ago. The the
0: one they said, watch this beforehand. I did not watch. I literally
4: (laughs) went into this like super blind. I kind of saw the first, um, like I said, I I watched the first trailer for this movie and I was like, honestly, in we go. (laughs) I kind of feel like as of late, like sometimes trailers just have been like giving away a little too much for me. So I've been having a lot of fun just like going in blind when it comes to visual art and
1: whatnot. So you know i'm the same way because yeah. it's like there's just so many and it's like i don't want to get spoiled mm-hmm. i want to see it on the screen mm-hmm.
0: i want to I go and drive
1: because <laughs> sometimes oh the movies aren't as good as the trailer i mean that that happens i you know it
0: happens i mean to be fair mm-hmm. that's what's
1: supposed to happen
5: it,
0: that's marketing that <laughs> they're going to show you the if best parts bad to movie. Movie.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: even if it's a good movie Look back in the trailers of Lord of the Rings or the First Matrix or uh even the Star Wars, original Star Wars movies. Yeah, you exactly. have the best, most iconic scenes in those trailers. It is absolutely like this reason trailer and teaser are in between. Okay. The teasing is never
1: best is never as good as
0: like the main event. <laughs> Take mm. that how you will.
1: Mm. <laughs> so it's like an inverted pyramid where it's like the tease, the trailer. The mm. second trailer the final trailer movie (laughs) Mm. Uh,
0: yeah i i I would say so i i have cast i think i think trailers for movies are very much you're going to look at the best parts of the film that's what Mm. you have to go expecting sort of like if someone says shows you gameplay footage of the next big game to come out if you look at for example oh shoot the new god of war i remember the first new god of war gameplay footage it looked amazing and it's a great game don't get me wrong but in that first footage they showed at e 3 it really is the highlight, highlight moments of like, okay, this shit isn't happening all throughout the entire game. Just like in the trailer for a really good movie or bad movie, you're going to have the most memorable parts of the movie in there. The big highlight scenes yeah, and moments.
3: Mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. Or you could just see an elevator filled with blood. <laughs> That's the, entire, yeah. the entirety of the teaser for The Shining. Or trailer, trailer,
0: and and that ends up being one of the most memorable scenes in the
3: entire movie. Is the, yeah, the there's hallways. a lot more
0: to it than that. That's true. That's true. I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like in The Shining, if you put too much in the trailer, The Shining would get lost on people because The Shining is a pretty chaotic movie. It like is. it's got some really chaotic energy that it just like. What scenes could you have put in there that wouldn't have screamed horror to people, or that would like would have been like? I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like a movie you could really take some pieces out of and be like here, trailer. That's true. Like maybe him putting the ax to the bathroom door, the baseball bat on the staircase.
3: Yeah, uh, maybe. Um, my, my, my whole point being, is that like, we should talk about blood machines. Yes, right. you're right. <laughs> and Speaking
1: of blood machines and speaking of chaotic images, we watched the blood machines. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? So a lot of us went into it blind today. Dag, I'm gonna start with you. What what? What was your initial first take? Uh,
4: it, de- it definitely did feel like I was watching a music a uh, music video. Honestly, like it was just um, mm, it was uh, it was angelic. It was faithful. It was also uh, witchy. You know, um, I would say it was um, hmm, it was definitely like a visual treat. You know what I mean? But I I feel like that's really, like, you know, that's, like, the biggest thing I got from this movie was, like, you know, check out this really cool synth wave music. I've never... I don't listen to a lot of synth. Like, Mm. whenever I'm, like, designing or something, I'm usually listening to, like, something more rhythmic, like hip-hop or, like, lo-fi or even, like, really melodic metal. I don't know. (laughs) But um, I don't know. I don't really frequent synth wave. But I feel like the the um the movie kind of um i don't know i think it visualized it quite beautifully honestly um i mean yeah the movie was pretty uh definitely like kind of jaw-dropping it was like oh wow like what what the f but i uh, it was fun it was a lot of fun yeah it was a good time i was honestly i don't think i could Sit through that movie if it was like an hour and 15 minutes. I think 50 minutes was like perfect.
1: Right. And I heard about this project for a while. And when I got the news, like it's going to be 15 minutes long, I'm like, what? Why not 90 minutes? Why not two hours? Mm-hmm. But after watching it, this is great as just 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what'd you think? I thought this was a very visually rich movie
3: uh tons of symbolism and uh wonderful use of a color palette Mm -hmm. um yeah cinematographers are going to have fun with this one there's a lot of um like center point uh framing for all the shots um i think that it i and we'll get into this in a second but i got a lot out of it in terms of themes of um like gender dynamics and um like abuse versus care and things of that nature. So there's a lot thematically there. Uh, And of course it's a visual and Sonic treat. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I could have, could have had a longer movie. I would have, I would have liked it, but it's also nice to have these kind of bite size, uh, short movies that, you know, you don't have to commit an afternoon to unless you're
1: like us and you have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I just think about the runtime of 15 minutes, four minutes or five minutes shorter. This will be a TV episode. Yeah, that's true. true. So it's like you can tell the narrative of a film within that short amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Josh, what did you think of the movie? Um,
0: so this is gonna be a little controversial, but I thought that aside from the visual effects,
5: it it
0: it very much is a movie that is a, a kind of a demo reel for both the like Artists involved and the musician involved. Like, it absolutely is to be taken as a long form music video, in my opinion. Like, the CGI is amazing. I love it. It looks fantastic. Everything that was set up was really amazing. And to your point, Aaron, like the actual framing of a lot of many of the scenes, like the standout solid scenes by themselves, could be a piece of artwork Mm -hmm. hang on your wall. But I will say, I don't know if. A movie that tries to have a chronological story told was really the right format to go. It felt, right. again, it would make a really amazing demo reel for any of the artists that, well, as part of their demo reel, as any artists that worked on this, absolutely, 100%. But as a movie, I don't know. It just, it could have been a short, like very condensed. I felt like it was more there trying to show off the visuals, show off the music, show off, essentially, again, like long form music video. So the acting and the dialogue and the story really just fell flat for me is just like, okay, let's, let's finish this up and get past this. This doesn't really interesting. This really yeah. isn't like compelling me in some sort of way. Right. So, you know, uh, to your point, Aaron, visually, audibly, it's, it's amazing. But to me personally, I could literally live without any of the dialogue. I could live without any of the characters. The characters could have been silhouettes, Mm -hmm. honestly, and we would have still gotten the same
1: film. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, I want to unpack that even further because I do have something to say about that. Okay. But before we get there, let's talk about the movie proper. So how we'd like to do this on Syndicate is the elevator pitch.
2: Please stand clear of the closing door.
1: Since I have three of you guys tonight... I need to pick just one. Who would like to volunteer as tribute to summarize the film within one minute? Will it be you, Diego? Will it be you, Josh? Will it be you, Aaron? Who will it be? Um, can we... Vote for someone.
4: I would like to vote for someone. Yeah, that's a vote. Oh my god. F. I'm gonna vote for Aaron. I'm sorry. I'm
1: gonna <laughs> vote for Aaron. Too. I knew it.
0: You oh. just, you just, you summarize it so well already. All right, so. Aaron.
3: Okay. Who okay. are you voting for? You speak to <laughs> hype uh, <laughs> you up, Aaron. Okay, not you me. speak
1: very eloquently. I just want to let you. Know. I will do my best. <laughs> All right, Aaron. I need you to summarize Blood Machines within one minute. All right. We're gonna start in three, two, one. Go. All right. So
3: some space pirates, space truckers, they uh, shoot down this A.I. ship or an A.I. system in a ship. Regardless, it crash lands and uh, they're off to hunt it down and return it to some corporation because it's so valuable. Um, But they are stopped by these like crazy looking women with like red, purple, blue hair. And uh, there's basically this uh, tug of war between. Uh, the crew of the ship and the women that they encounter over the ai system mima and so it, it ends up being this huge whole chase and then there's a bit of ai sentience slash control
1: and it gets crazy from there with five seconds to spare aaron you did such a great job oh thank you snap 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 snap. so let's get into it the movie blood machines it's very visually intoxicating we talked we talked at length about its imagery and let's get into it further so josh i want to bring it right up so you talked about how this film felt more like a vehicle for the music rather the than art. a vehicle for a, the music, story. a
0: music for the vehicle a vehicle for the music and the art like like mm. like being a 3d artist mm-hmm. myself I absolutely hundred appreciate all the effort that went into the visual effects, the models, the texturing, and the setup. The actual like everything they did to get where what the final product is. It's amazing looking. It's an absolute feast, and it's really well done too. Like, like I saw no issues where I was like, "Oof, that looked like it was hacked together in Blender." Um, you know, I didn't I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't ever think that everything looked like it was very well put together. So, if this was a film that took any number of like time and was on some sort of budget, which they had Carpenter broke on it. Then they probably did. I would imagine there were like at least up to 10 people working on the actual visuals, Mm. like artists and animators and everything you can imagine in between to make this come together, not even counting the actual visual effects team that works on it after those artists get their hands on all the individual assets. Yeah. Like, so I appreciate that hundred percent, but that's why more so I'm just like it didn't really need any kind of whatever you were trying <laughs> to do here with the story. Hmm. Like I, I appreciate there's some deep message there and I can see some of the themes that you mentioned, Aaron regarding, you know, gender identity and like loving versus abusive relationships and things. like that. Absolutely. Those themes are there, but I think like they're just on the surface and it's like, they're almost kind of like throwing their hands up saying, Oh, by the way, men and women are different.
3: So you'd rather like, do without the plot, do without the narrative, do without the character and instead have either like fully visuals or like fully commit to a narrative film format.
0: I think that trying Get to that have a narr- right on your face trying to have a a deep deep narrative Get that uh, oh, oh, on your face having a deep deep narrative mm. alongside intense visuals that you poured a mountain of energy into, you kind of end up with a clash. I personally, okay. I'm the kind of person that advocates for the stay in your lane sort of thing where it comes to, if you're going to do a movie, figure out what you want to focus on. This movie, this story, this cinematic endeavor, whatever you want to call it, it felt like they had trouble finding focus. Well, it's the amazing music. Okay. Well, it's the amazing visuals. All right. Well, there's a great story here too. Okay. There's some awesome things we want to talk about. Okay. And we're going to have 50 minutes to do it okay do we have some good actors no they're all just people you've probably never heard of it, it very much felt like on the very limited budget they had they tried doing all these different things and that's why i'm kind of just like visuals 100 percent. i would absolutely watch it again for the visuals you know six out of six to seven out of ten for the entire film what drags it down keeps me from loving it is mm-hmm. that the rest of it's kind of just shoehorned in there on top. Like again, the writing, the dialogue, the acting, it's mm. just very much like, let's just throw this on top. So we have some sort of like flow that the audience can follow.
3: Yeah. It doesn't feel like it fits for you.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. The, the, again, the, the everything regarding what's supposed to make a story feels like it's just slapped on top of what the film was really, about. what the, I, could, I I wouldn't say a film because it's 15 minutes. And we don't really get, we we barely get the characters' names. Mm-hmm. We get their names only when they call each other out and where they really introduce each other. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the characters are just there, kind
1: of to segue us into the next big cinematic amazement they want to show you. So you're saying, and we're gonna, you know, before getting truly off the fence with this. So you're saying that this film is more of from the minds of the band rather than the director.
0: It's a visual feast. It's a visual feast. But in that it's not a it's not a thinking man's film, so to speak. Like there's a lot of really amazing films out there. And if you look back in history, even like visual effects-wise, when you had the golden era of visual effects, you know, like when Star Wars came out and Indiana Jones and all that good stuff, movies back then, even when they had visual effects, they weren't throwing them in your face all the time. It was a focus on the story, the acting, the script, things like that. But then as time goes on, we still get movies that have the ability to do these amazing special effects. But some of the best ones in recent memory, if you think about it, have been ones where the story is really emphasized, the acting is really emphasized, and the special effects are kind of just like they're made to be in the background. They're not the focus. Denny Villano's Dune comes to mind. The special effects are amazing. They're mind-blowing, but they are not the focus they're in the background. They support the act and they support the characters. They support the world. That's visual effects
1: are a stage on which the actors play. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a Michael Bay film.
0: As opposed to a Michael mm-hmm. Bay film. I dare anyone to come to me and tell me the plots of all the Transformer movies done by Michael Bay mm-hmm. individually. You know, we can't say, well, this mm-hmm. one thing happened. Yeah, but it was that? One, two, three, or four, or five that that happened in. Uh, it's just like it's, <laughs> it's like he clearly wants to focus on the visuals and the big explosions right. and the crazy shit happening. Everything else is kind of just a ride along. And that's why I personally don't find any joy in Michael films. So Blunt Machines
3: is too much style, not enough substance for you?
0: I don't. It's more of yeah. a, it's more of a, I can see somebody on the street wearing the most amazing freaking outfit, clothing and presentation possible. Mm-hmm. And I, they can walk me by and I can be like, wow, that person like confident. They've got swagger. They've got style. But if they come up and talk to me, and all of a sudden they want to pour their heart out about their next big book and go on and on and on about how intellectual they are and open they are, blah blah blah, it's like, okay, like what are you trying to do here? I'm going getting bombarded in both senses. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that there's not a visual feast or there's not an amazing piece of work here. What I'm saying is that I'm having a hard time digesting what what what, what what's the point of bringing on the, the ride along of actors and dialogue and so forth if what you want to show is a visual feast.
1: So what if the film is more of a – it's still having that visual feast, but it's visual storytelling? And maybe you're focused in on the, the writing, which is maybe, as as we could say, suffering a little bit. Because, like, as Aaron watched it, he extrapolated all these themes visually evoked to him rather than, hey, let's talk about this, you know, through the dialogue. But they talked about it through the images shown to you. Yeah, I think almost like
4: – um like Josh, like what you're touching on is almost i don't know the when i think about um your critique about how you kind of wanted to the movie to stay within your own lane right and you like you weren't <laughs> crazy about like the characters and whatnot i almost kind of think like yeah that is an aspect of a of like a visually audio experience of a movie right cuz like you don't really care about the characters and at that point like you find out Um, kind of linking back to some of the like deeper things presented and like what people were doing Um, you know you you kind of wanted to watch the characters like get their just due, if you will (laughs) Um, so it was you know at that point too I think that also like is a like a, a movie like vessel if you will a technique to just say like hey these people aren't important and like this is what you should be paying attention to you know so
0: yeah i mean question Mm -hmm. would the movie in your mind have been any different if it had no act voice acting whatsoever if it was a silent like
1: interaction where all the actors said nothing to each other here's the thing because I was thinking about that. I'd like and to speak on this as well. There's another, <laughs> I don't know what it's about France, but like we have all these electronic bands of, you know, telling a story because like a good, a good like parallel is Daft Punk's Electroma because like mm. they made a film, but there's no dialogue whatsoever. Hmm. It's essentially a two hour or a 90 minute long music video. Hmm. But
0: they stuck in their lane. That was the point. They wanted a visual feast and an audio feast, not a let's let's focus on the acting and the dialogue and the but we're not talking about that film.
1: Fair. We're talking about this film. Mm. fair. Mm. So maybe it needs some sort of dialogue because like we can infer a lot from imagery. But like if you watch a film with zero like language uh, dialogue, mm. whether it's spoken or written on the screen, We're all going to interpret its crazy different uh, tangents, except when there's some sort of narrative attached to it. Here's a paragraph. I'm
0: sure David Lynch would be disappointed in you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Touche.
3: So to your point, it's the fact that the narrative was part of this kind of um, showcase for uh, the artists and uh, the music um, because the narrative was attached to that, and because they're so underdeveloped, you think it basically undercut the quality of the movie as a whole.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's the whole idea of like if you have an unlimited supply of musicians playing in the same orchestra, do you use all musicians at the same time for every single play? No, you use the specific ones you need, timed at the specific points in the specific tempo, following a director that knows they're there to put on a specific show and play specific pieces as opposed to I have all these musicians let's have them all play at the same freaking time yeah see how many people sit around and listen to that Mm -hmm. in my opinion it's the same thing for a movie if you sit here and you say well I want amazing narrative I want dialogue I want visuals I want chronological kind of storytelling, I also want this. Oh, I just want the actors to look like they have really good costumes and and like all this stuff that you're putting in that it comes down to a point of, what's your focus? Unfortunately, a parallel that comes to mind is the Star Wars prequel films. George Lucas was notorious for wanting to focus on way too many things, and that's often why the prequel films did not do that, get cited as not doing that well, is because, is this a political drama, a romance, a sci-fi action, a war movie? what are we trying to do here? Like, mm-hmm, so that's right. what I kind of feel regarding blood machines is I didn't quite understand what was the ultimate intention. There's something really, really good here, but I just felt like I got drowned out by what are essentially ham-fisted attempts at storytelling as a whole, mm-hmm. acting as a whole and di- written dialogue as a whole. It's just, it feels really like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, these people have to speak.
1: <laughs> wow. You know what? I think you're absolutely right, but also you have to take into account that. So I guess there's a difference between. I don't know if it's like intellect or the resources that the original artists uh, has uh, too, because like think about this artist, they're a French. Synthwave band, they probably don't have a whole lot of money mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. like this is definitely uh a, a passion project um I don't think they're like we're touring the world right. with our music It's a passion project, so he probably doesn't have access to say someone who is more successful like a George Lucas. He can hire people you know like I'm writing this uh film, and like I have like ninety percent of it, but I need that little ten percent to put it over. You know, he has like, you know, he uh, recognizes I need to hire the best people and then create this awesome product rather than uh, Carpenter Brut is like, you know, okay, this is the story. This is like the images, but uh, let's hire like a run and gun director because I don't know how much this director has, uh, you know, input on this band because it seems like the, this film is very adjacent to their music videos right so it's like mm. they're doing it on a grander scale but they need a director to help them out because they're not directors right they're musicians
4: so they're the visuals of like their past music videos are very similar to this movie it's the same aesthetic
1: oh same aesthetic mm-hmm. you know, yep. there's logos in there because like in the film blood machines there's this like pentagon of special effects that it's like a actually. rose yeah, it's like interlocking pentagons yeah oh. and that's like a aesthetic in all of their music videos and on oh, the inverted so. cross so it's like mm-hmm. yeah. oh it feels like gosh. and this is the movie of the band right that right, whole right. story they want to tell like the band the movie yeah, yeah. Which,
0: which is still con- it adds more confusion to me to your point if that theory is correct if that theory is correct then it's even more unsensical for them to have had the parts in there that I criticize this movie movie the most about, mm-hmm. it's just like okay, if trying to show off the band and the music and the visuals of the band. Why are we having people that seem like this is their first acting gig they've ever had? Acting. Mm-hmm. Why do we have dialogue that feels like it's very much just there to? Oh, and over there, as they point off in the next, then a camera has to look at it.
3: Yeah, i I guess I see it differently. I thought the plot and the characters very much stood out of the way of the rest of the movie. Because yeah. um, I could definitely definitely imagine a version of this movie where they just can't stop talking and explaining oh, okay. everything <laughs> and cracking jokes and all that crap.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, this movie doesn't have that. Um, there it has a little bit, but it really much stays out of the way. Um, I really do think it's, it's down to budget and who they could hire. Yeah. Um, because you know. it seems to be... I have no idea if this was kickstarted, but it just—it was, it See, was because I, think it was. Oh, I okay. gave money to it. Okay, <laughs> and that's right. why
0: we're doing the pod. Yeah, I,
3: it, I, I almost wrote this down in my notes, but I was like, this feels kickstarted. Both with they have like they have like one and a half chapters of the movie that play before the title sequence, and then it's like the rest of it. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they put out chapter one to raise money for this. But um, visually, like. The quality of the of the CGI is good, but you can tell it's not like studio level. Oh yeah, um, some because of that and like the um, vintage film filter that they have on it. I'm like, this feels kickstarted. So if they have like even like a Kung Fury budget, um, they're not going to have the money for the best actors or directors or writers. So to me, what it felt like was. They wanted to have a bit of a story in there. They wanted to have a plot, but they really wanted to focus on the visuals and the music. And so that's where they put their attention. And they're like, if we can't have a wonderful plot and story and and acting on top of that, let's just make sure that it takes up the least amount of space as possible. And I think in that respect, they were pretty good and just did what they needed to do. So that's kind of how I see it rather than, you know, this undercuts the whole movie.
0: Yeah, I right? guess I guess I'm the kind of person where... Um, on my perspective, it's like even if it's in there, like if I'm – I know I say it jokingly, but what may break my immersion (laughs) is really trying to focus in on a very big in-your-face part of the movie. And all of a sudden, like even if it's a small bit, some offhanded dialogue or awkward feeling acting slips in there it it does more or less break my immersion and focus on the movie mm-hmm. um, because you know if i'm trying to really be engaged with the product and then all of a sudden there's a little piece in there it's not supposed to be there and it's like what the, mm-hmm. what the hell is that it's the, it's the equivalent of you know you have an intense dialogue scene where maybe a cop is interrogating, interrogating a criminal like think the the batman movies mm-hmm. uh you know with um christian bale mm-hmm. you know imagine if while Joker's being interrogated, you know, all of a sudden, uh, Gordon is like on the other side of the glass and he says, Man, I could get some coffee. <laughs> it's just, it just
1: like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's mm-hmm. small,
0: it's mm-hmm. small, but that would break your immersion in the scene, that would break your immersion in the whole situation. It's like, what is that doing in there? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that's how I felt about this movie. So, but I didn't, maybe I'm just probably more sensitive to that. Yeah. No,
1: that makes sense. It does make sense. So, let's transition into the plot of the film. So, Aaron. What did you think of the plot? Because like we've been dancing around that you know the visual effects aren't that great, you know the writing isn't all that great, but the writing that does exist, what did you think about
3: it? Yeah, it is serviceable. It is basically setting the stage for the actual like the the the, the visual design and the um, the effects and symbolism like if that's all taking center stage the plot is basically just like the stage dressing just the framing to make it possible and the plot is basically bare minimum and serviceable i'm not defending it i'm not saying it's amazing um but it basically lays the groundwork for the rest of the story and the visuals to be placed upon
1: so, what I gathered is that we have space pirates, uh, yeah, a la kind of like a Star Wars aesthetic of like you know, this grungy, you know, low technology spaceship, not very sleek. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very like, grimy, very wet, very wet. Yes, um, dripping even, <laughs> soaking. So, there's space pirates. And they encounter a celestial being, I guess, this uh, womanly figure in space.
3: Yeah. So she's she's an AI, um, a rogue AI, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, She's either piloting the ship that crashes at the beginning or, as we find out later, might be the ship. Um, Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals
0: on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Because the the ship, when it crash lands, looks like a giant woman. Yeah. Um, And the, you know, the AI appears to be like a physical manifestation um, of this nude woman yeah and uh, so that that's what they're trying to capture these these pirates and so they chase her down to the uh, ship landing then eventually they capture her she escapes to like this wreckage of this like huge planet sized ship uh, and it's almost like a graveyard or a cemetery mm-hmm. of wrecked ships and so they need to go in and uh, find her in one of these wreckages and try to take her back but There's also this, like, woman that they meet at the crash site that kind of accompanies them on their adventure, sometimes willingly, sometimes not. And she seems to have her own plans for what to do with this AI. Yeah,
5: like,
1: it's, that's a great way to put it, because it's all told to you visually, and I felt like I didn't necessarily understand their motives, Uh, I just... I'm just seeing what they're doing and I don't really know why or what Mm -hmm. is this for? Um, So with this being, do you think, what do you think that was and what does she represent? My guess is that
3: the most literal level is that she's a AI that has gained sentience Um, because when, uh, when she first, like, it's pulled out of the original ship that she was in and kind of, like, takes shape and floats up. The guy's like, we just witnessed a miracle. So, to me, that felt like Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Um, we have a, a sentient um, replicant and, or, or a replicant birth in that movie. Um, and in this one, it, it very much seemed like the, the kind of, like, red-haired lady um, is almost like a midwife for the birth of this AI. Uh, the way that she, like, gets on the ship and pre- prepares a ceremony and then yeah. just, like, pulls the AI out of uh, the hull of the ship. To me, it felt very much like a like a birthing midwife mm-hmm. process, which, as Diego kind of mentioned, has a lot to do with the kind of, like, pagan witch themes mm-hmm. in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all connected. But, yeah, th- um, so the pirates, they want to uh, secure the AI to sell off to some corporation, their boss. Um this lady seems to be part of some kind of more esoteric or mystical, uh, like tribe to mm-hmm. defend machines, robots, yeah. AI. Uh, and so it wants to free this AI, but as she's captured by the pirates and taken along, she seems to develop her own plans for kind of revenge, kind of liberation mm-hmm. of some sort involving tons of other AI. Um, so her motives are the least clear, I would say, but, um, she kind of manifests into this um, antagonist as the movie goes on further or protagonist. If you see things her way,
1: you're blowing my mind because like I was, I was seeing that and I was like, okay, this is like dark magic. I'll Darth Vader and star Wars feels like a, a grittier, more fantastic star Wars. Yeah. But like, Approaching it how you did, it's like, okay, it's this artificial intelligence that, you know, gains sentience and then it into uh, a figure in the physical world. And it's like, this this is its a whole other layer of uh, what makes this film intriguing. Mm-hmm. May I uh, peel back the layer because there's death
4: (laughs) in front of all these people. (laughs) I would say so. Um, There was I I don't know. I think there was uh, a couple of things that like kind of come to mind too, is that um, essentially um, I think like the, one of the funny things I kind of thought was that whenever you hear uh, someone talk about like their spaceship or their boat, they always reference it as a she so mm. I just for some reason thought it was. I was like, Oh yeah, look at all these like ships in the graveyard <laughs> and like oh yeah. yes. There yeah, she was. You know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of uh kind of interesting, right? And of course, like just kind of if you know, if we're thinking of it as, um, hmm. okay, this is gonna get this is gonna get deep, here we go. Let's I do see, it. Oh, I would say like, you know, I mean, kind of in a sense, um, a lot of the antagonists really, a lot of the people that were causing a lot of strife in this movie were men Mm -hmm. and it just also turns out that like all these ships and all these women that also essentially just wanted to be free from their abusers from those who hold them down right because you know um in the sense earlier in i mean in the film we see someone who's like this like young good-looking guy who's just like a total piece of shit right
3: yeah the captain yeah yeah
4: or and then you even find out that like the the older man the engineer the guy who has to like who um you know it's kind of interesting, too, because I feel like uh, in a way, abuse was kind of shown at an mm-hmm. uh, what it abuse is kind of uh, a how do I say this? A metaphoric way of showing abuse at an older age where people at that age still um, are willing to cause harm to their partners, even if they've like been together for so long, because mm-hmm. she when Tracy had said, you've never raised your hand against me, knowing how long, um, knowing how long obviously he's lived for and knowing how much he depends on her it's like for her to say that is like damn like clearly like after all the stuff she's been trying to do for you and at the time the one time she's like not you know the time you know um i guess the one time like earlier in the movie like when she when he was getting mad like at the ship for not like doing what he wanted her to do Mm -hmm. you know he he had said like damn you have you know that's when she had said you've never raised your hand against me so yeah i just kind of want i just that was on my mind i felt like i had to say it and it was just like wow like you know kind of really letting these subplots these kind of themes sink in it's i'm really you know i'm definitely understanding um the film for more if it's like you know just those beautiful
1: like iceberg themes if you Mm -hmm. will so yeah it's a really interesting way to look at like space exploration, mm. which is the the dynamics between the captain and his ship, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. refers to his ship as a woman. That's the film portrays that very eloquently. I I agree. Mm. Yeah, and I, I agree. Was like,
5: huh.
1: you know, it, there's a lot to be said with that idea, mm-hmm. and that just has a cool science fiction wrapper over it.
3: Yeah, the I'm glad you brought that up because. The kind of abuse of women is a major theme in this movie. Um, Lago, the ship's like engineer, the old man, um, like the ship just refuses to work. It's like falling apart. It's not being taken care of. And at the very beginning, he's like hitting the ship, trying to get it to work. And one of the I'm just going to call them space witches, like the (laughs) kind of redheaded women. Um, One of the space witches is like, you know, don't disrespect your own ship and very much could be a metaphor for don't disrespect your wife or your mother or whatever. Um, and Tracy, the ship's AI has a kind of almost like a protocol droid, um, look as far as like the actual hardware of the AI. Right. And it's sculpted so that it looks kind of like a nude pregnant woman, but being like Mm. stretched and held like backwards, almost like a, like a torture rack
1: or similar to a ship. The the orange, yeah,
3: the, um, on the
1: the front of the ship. Goodness.
3: It's like the ornament, the ornament. Oh, like the mermaids. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. It does look like that. Uh, and there's some kind of like HR Giger esque, um, like, I don't even know what to call them, but like tendrils, like on the front of the, of the woman's chest. And it's like pulling her heart open. Mm. So it's very much like the, the, um, a visual metaphor for like a, uh, like a battered woman um someone who's just being like abused and used mm-hmm. um and then um i don't know where i was going with that except there's a lot of visual metaphors to support that theme as well
1: that's very interesting that that would be the kind of like the cornerstone of the ship i guess like yeah i guess it's the it's the most masthead masthead is it masthead i Feeds thought that up. was the sails
3: that Would be a sail. Neither of us are sailors, so we're probably I was, both. Yeah, I, was,
0: I said mast, and I was like, wait, no, that's the like the center. Yeah, that's the that's a yeah. big, that's, that's a telephone pole. Right? That's the
3: big one.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: can I get some Wi Fi out here,
5: please?
1: <laughs> but getting back into the film, so like, there's this film says so much, yet yeah, says so little, and like, it's just. So shocking that you extrapolated that because, like, using those visual images does paint that story if you lay it out like that. Because I didn't get that at all. I was like trying to figure out, like, this film is visually, aesthetically very pleasing and definitely uh, showcases the aesthetic of like this artist uh, art wave going on. Mm-hmm. But, like, I didn't know it, I didn't think it would have meaning behind it i thought it was just like a visual pleasure but actually it's like it's trying it is saying something
3: yeah um and in that sense much of the movie becomes kind of a revenge plot Mm. or a revenge story because you have cory who's one of the space witches um she in the kind of ceremony that summons mima the ai to like a physical manifestation um she kind of gets all woozy and out of it and then the captain uh basically like kidnaps her um locks her up in the ship and he even says like you know it's been so long since i fucked a woman um and so <laughs> masterful he's, he's, he's got a bit of a rapey <laughs> vibe going on no shit um and she's able to uh not only break free but kind of rescue mima and then she ends up uh like conjuring like ai from Tons of the dead ships floating mm-hmm. around in the cemetery and almost makes like her own coven of witches mm. um, all gathered together. So there, there's a lot of weird, um, not only gender dynamics going on, but this kind of esoteric uh, spiritual symbolism
1: going mm-hmm. on as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's all connected. It is because like you have that aesthetic of like the cyberpunk, like this sci fi dystopian look, but also you have witchcraft and like. You know, it seems like demonology and, like, there's a supernatural element to it. And it's, like, that beautiful mixture of, like, science fiction and, like, with uh, spiritual, supernatural, witchy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pagans in yeah. space. Yeah. Pagans in space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty well, much it. I just wonder if the band, like, genuinely believes in this and it's like, let's show it in, like, an awesome way. Or are they framing... A story like they're they're actually novelists but they're really good at music
3: hard to say because i don't i don't know them i don't know their motives or whatever could just be as simple as you know wouldn't this be neat um or are they are they really trying to push a, a bigger message than that they I don't think know. ai is the
1: celestial gods <laughs> of the universe the divine feminine yeah oh, so that's a good album. <laughs> <laughs> by mac miller all right sorry go ahead <laughs> so like with that theme that they created this aesthetic of like uh supernatural horror and like cosmic uh beauty where do you think the iconography of like the pentagons and the roses and the inverted crosses like what do you think is there a deeper meaning behind that
3: i'm sure there is like you said um Carbon Carpenter- Carpenter Brut, um uses much of the same imagery and symbolism throughout all their visual work. Um, so it's got to be mean, meaningful for them, at least. Uh, I don't know about the Pentagon. I know um, the Vitruvian Man uh, that Leonardo da Vinci drew, like, fits perfectly mm-hmm. into a, a Pentagon. And they kind of represent that visually at the end with the giant, I guess, mothership. It's like a a giant lady as a ship formed out of the wreckage of tons of other ships. Mm -hmm. She's arranged in this like upside down crucifix form within uh, a Pentagon. So I guess you have a a four pointed shape within a five point uh, shape. So I don't think it's immediately obvious from the movie what that all means. But that's also kind of the point it's supposed to. Mm. see what it evokes within you rather than mm-hmm. be kind of oh. a codified meaning
1: that's interesting
4: yeah i would have to agree that the you know upside down cross uh the hexagon uh usually i think if i'm correct yeah the upside down hexagon is a um excuse me wait pentagon not that. Mm-hmm. uh the upside Trichazoid. down Stop. Too many, too many uh, terms. All right. So the, um, the upside down pentagon. If I'm correct, like sometimes when you see the, um, like a satanic, uh symbol, I believe, like the horned goat, like fits, like a pentagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fits within like the, the pentagon shape, and then, um, what was he Yeah, the upside down cross the pentagon or the, yeah pentagon and i mean like her also being seen upside down too is like when you think of someone being crucified and then being upside down crucified
3: yeah so yeah you could definitely take that that to be a lot of um like anti-christian or pagan yeah. symbolism mm-hmm. um could also just be because that's the band's logo
1: aesthetic yeah who knows because like in their name carpenter bro i think it's the t it's inverted it's yeah like a, stylized like a cross is okay, so and I'm sorry. This is a bit of a stretch. Is this the same, uh,
4: like artist where they have like this? They kind of feature these like group of kids that they're following around, and they have like the same under un upside down cross symbol, and they're kind of like kind of being chaotic. I apologize. I'm I'm going off tangent. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, okay. Well, thank you for answering it Sounds that. like a Twilight Zone episode. I yeah. appreciate you taking time out of your podcast to answer this. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> were there any other themes that popped out before we go into the final segment of Off the Fence?
3: That's mostly what I got out of it. Um, might be a bit of like astrology in there as far as the ceremony to birth Mima was like the planets were aligning. Mm. Um I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's more that on a second watch that I would pick up, but having just come off this one, that's
1: all I got. All right. Is there anything you wanted to say, Josh?
0: Um, No, I, I would have to agree that as much as not a fan as, as I am... Get
1: that on your mouth. <laughs> no. Pull it closer. As much as that's I not,
0: might not be a fan of the themes, writing and presentation regarding story, I do agree that there are those themes there. I just felt that they were really like, like what do you want me to focus on is where I have got stuck up. So I do agree, though. The presentation of them, if they were by themselves or done in a more way that felt like they were included with the visuals, mm-hmm, like, they, right. I, I feel like we could have either gotten those themes from just the visuals and no audio or no voice. I would say no written dialogue. Or we could have gotten there by visuals, more well integrated with the acting, with the dialogue versus hold on. Let's stop. Let's focus on this really bad acting.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I have something big to say. Okay. Like,
0: let me, let me break out the scale so I can weigh it.
1: How big it is. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty heavy. Oh, mm-hmm. right on the table. There we So go. we have not said the full title of the movie. So it's blood machines, colon space opera, the space opera. So, I think we haven't even discussed, like, was this even a space opera? Because, like, we're talking about, like, the music doesn't match the visuals, or the visuals don't match the dialogue. And it's like, so this was from the mind of this band, and they were intending it to be all cohesive together, like an opera. Mm, Was it an opera? Mm. Are these what operas are, if they were made today?
0: I feel like putting space opera is, like, a generous term used these days. Like, space opera is used to just find, let's see, Dune, Warhammer, Star Wars. <laughs> Mass Effect. <laughs> Mass Effect, yeah. Um, Star Trek's gotten to find that sometimes as well. The Alistair Galactica, like, literally gets thrown around as just a catch-all term for yeah. any big, large-scale drama taking place in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a bit of a uh, term that's been worn thin. Yep. Although, I'm glad you mentioned space opera because a lot of the staging... In a lot of these scenes, did seem to feel like you could like stage this in theater.
1: Yes, because like especially in the third act, uh, where all those souls of the ships manifest into bodies, it looked like they were, you know, telling, showing the audience visually like on a actual stage. Yeah, like you're sitting in the audience at like a theater and mm. like you're watching interpretive arts, but this is that in a movie. I In space, pretty cool, yeah.
3: yeah. So it felt like a really, really nice, expensive, well done play. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think
0: the movie just would have been better if it was mostly that because the latter parts of the movie, or latter part of the movie that you're describing, mm-hmm. as soon as they she starts channeling all the AIs to emerge from their corpses, so to speak. Mm-hmm there's almost no dialogue and no and you don't you didn't need it yeah because he had the characters on screen doing stuff anyways it was it was showing not telling and it worked just great in my opinion so that's why that's what i was comparing to i was like first half middle half i was like oh geez like how much more are these guys gonna talk like this is not helping but then towards the end when there was no written dialogue for probably a good 10-15 minutes i was like why like can the entire movie have been this? That yeah. would have been great.
3: The third chapter is definitely the
1: strongest one of the bunch.
0: And they talk the the littlest,
3: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but you appreciate that because you went through the movie and you have <laughs> the context through the dialogue, albeit not very good. But by the time you get to the visual storytelling at the end, it's, it's like it's almost all right. It's
0: like it's almost like watching the the third Matrix movie just to have that end scene where Matrix gets eaten, just to, just to tie it all together. And then remember fondly that there was a first movie and it was good.
1: Mm, <laughs> yeah. No, maybe no, not quite that. And then they rebooted it, and then you looked even more fondly. Ah, oh, remember the first one.
0: And then you watch the recent Star Wars movie, and you're like, ah, remember when Darth <laughs> Maul?
1: A long time ago, Galaxy Far, Far Away. There you go. So I mean, but like, unlike Star Wars, there's no singing. But well, there wasn't singing in this movie either. There was no. no singing. It was all instrumental music. Okay. So if we had actual I I completely I didn't notice because I was so, so when you when you said invested in the visuals.
0: When you said space opera, were you saying space opera and your in your mind you were referencing the term space opera or space opera as a opera, actual operatic presentation in space?
1: Yes. The second one. The latter. Yeah.
0: Then, yeah, without singing, it kind of falls short without some, like, big, like, person, like, going about in Latin or something or romantic language mm-hmm. or French or, like, so forth and, like, mm-hmm. telling a story with, with really high, big scenes that, like, crescendo and drop and, like, hit all kinds of different areas. Then, no, it doesn't fit that bill.
1: <laughs> so, if there was singing and if it was of that style, it would be Les Miserables science fiction?
0: Uh, if, if, if it had... No written, normal dialogue, and the characters were motioning, just silent film, and then you had a eerie female vocalist. That represents her in the background, hanging over things, and her voice intensifies mm-hmm. when she emerges. That would that would have been powerful. That would have been
1: like wow. It would be a cosmic uh, Phantom of the Opera for sure, and
0: that would be a space opera Indeed. in the fashion you are referring. And I, so a space I really, opera opera. I really would have. I, I unfortunately, when I watch films and I find something I really, really don't like about that drags a ten out of ten down to a seven or a six, I can't help but thank it. How could this have been better? So mm-hmm. this
4: was a ten, but then it got dragged down to a six. The
0: more they talked, the more the numbers got dragged down <laughs> for me. I'm just like, That's so stop. Sad. stop. I did not I did not <laughs> that sucks. I did not like the written dialogue. I did not like the acting. I did not like the voices. The actors were fine if they didn't open their mouth and they just like it dragged it down every time they spoke. So I'm just like okay time to wait another five minutes for this to pass or oh well it was gonna start nope he's got more to say oh well look at that it's more empty dialogue awesome this isn't helping at all
1: it just would drag it down more and more and more so either you have to punch up the story the narrative to have it like be like a proper quote movie not really space opera or you punch up the dialogue as singing and melodic and then oh it's an opera because it's like you have to choose one and this movie
0: chose neither because then the singing the voicing of the main focus of the story which is the rogue AI the woman it would have lended into the visuals it would have mixed with them it would have been part of it as opposed to
3: Oh man, I haven't fucked a real woman in blah blah blah. Like it, why? It, it, yeah. Why?
0: Why are you t- why are we being told
3: this? How so you this know like- that he's a meanie and a racist. Yeah,
0: because I didn't know that by him grabbing one of the female characters and pointing a gun at her. No, I didn't know. Oh man, <laughs> we couldn't show that through him as his behaviors nonverbal, eh? So that that's what I mean by like, Ugh. like I could have done without this. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. You needed yeah. to I I think for the revenge. Um angle of this story to work you really needed to despise the captain mm. and, and it
0: got ham-fisted
3: it, it did. got ham it did i think they wanted you to know just how much of a rape he is and um and that was the uh, it's so overt that's, that's like oh is. well he's you, gonna you rape her that. there's no question about it just drag her onto the ship handcuff her you don't need dialogue for that
0: yeah yeah that that could have been it or, and they, we don't have yeah. to make him we didn't have to make him or his dude these parallels you could have made it they were working for the same evil corporation and they're forced to do a job and it would have been more tragic for them to be we're stuck in this situation and carry out orders not a I'm a big meanie that likes to rape <laughs> like yeah. what
3: <laughs> yeah I guess you you could you could either flesh, it, flesh out the dialogue that we have to kind of make them less than uh, one-dimensional villains or what you're saying is drop the dialogue entirely and just drop it entirely show don't tell
0: show don't tell and and that kind of dialogue to build somebody up to be that reprehensible and that disgusting of a character it takes time it takes like think of the hunchback in notre dame we don't mm-hmm. hate the frollo the 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 worst the Horrible priest. We don't hate him because it's implied that he's going to rape Asmerelda. We hate him because of all the buildup leading up to that, how mm. he treats Quasimodo, how he interacts with the public, how he cares. It's a buildup. So by the time you get there further in the film and he's up in Notre Dame burning to death, yeah. you're just like. I have a solid reason in my head, an emotional reason as to why this despicable character should die, why they should suffer, not just oh he said some horrible things.
3: Oh, oh, yeah. he deserves the worst. Well, we even even get how much of a prick he is, just like by what he does, not what he says. Exactly. Like when he's when they land on the planet and he's trying to engage the elevator to go down and it's not working, he just like shoots the console. And then like tosses it to Lago to fix it.
0: And he has to say something at that point too, because we didn't get it across when he uh,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, So he like disrespects the ship there. Um he obviously drags around Corey. Um there and you know, he's like firing his gun wildly into the air to try to like fend off everybody. It's like that's all action that so you can show. There's really no need for dialogue to make him, you know, more of a prick.
0: Yeah. They're just yeah, there were just many more opportunities to show versus telling
1: yeah i think it would have been more effective if we had those scenes where you saw visually the mistreat that he does rather than the easy way out of you know wanting to rape your own machines yeah i think it's because
0: don't don't, don't stick your dick in the computer
3: <laughs> uh-uh.
1: r2no I oh, cool. jeez. I, think I mean, it
0: could fit a lightsaber. I, I was stop
1: I, <laughs> Okay, so I think, I don't want to say it's lazy, but I think it's definitely the easy way out to just have one line of dialogue, one singular scene where you know exactly what his intentions are, and it makes him into a cardboard cutout. And I think this film, if it had more time to gestate, you could have fleshed out more aspects of the film. Yep. But instead, it was... I want to show my visual skills of this art movements I want to make and also sell my album and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. show, show off my awesome music. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, maybe I just need another year or two to it, find a story. Yeah. And,
0: and to your point, who knows how much input or oversight or like hands on Carpenter Brute was? Who knows what kind of collaborative effort? um the director they chose the writer they chose had and how much say these kind of projects like it it really does get steered by the more powerful personalities where yeah they'll have experts to help out and work on their pieces but sometimes you get people in there that are just like really and carpenter burt might just be that kind of artist or maybe the director he hired he gave him complete utter control and they just or that collaboration gave him complete, well we don't we'll never know most likely i mean maybe it was a documentary but yeah so, right. so, it's, so it's like it's it's really like like they could there there was alternatives in front of them but nobody voiced a, like an alternative it seemed like saying hey how about we do a silent uh, movie instead no talking no nothing just the music and some way somehow either that person got vetoed but there was enough people that felt that way so they went with no no let's have let's write some dialogue real quick
1: right it's kind of like looking at Dennis Villeneuve's Dune because like imagine if Dennis Villeneuve didn't have complete control over the project i don't think it would be as great yeah, he wouldn't have done it in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Or even David Lynch, if he doesn't have a lot of oversights, mm-hmm. you know, I, I re- he's not going to like the project.
0: I, I read recently that he didn't like doing his version of Dune. Like, he wasn't happy with it.
1: Really? Lynch.
0: Yeah. What I don't know what true sure this is, but I read in passing that he had said or been in an interview or something that he, did, he hated how Dune came out. And that he didn't he regretted or treating treating the Dune license that he got or the go-to to to use it. He regrets treating it as kind of just like, oh, I didn't really know what Dune was before this. And he just wanted as a platform to tell his own story, to create Mm -hmm. his own world. Mm -hmm. So he in passing, I think mentioned like he regretted doing that because he's just like, it's a great piece of literature. And he's like, at the time, he's like, "I, I should I wish I said no. I wish I said no to directing it. So, as cult classic as that Dune is, he, I, I don't think he was very happy with it.
1: All right, so we talked about the film at length. So let's get off the fence. So we talked about de Brut. We talked about the director Seth Ickerman. I don't know who had more control over the other, but do we think this was a strong directorial debut for the director?
3: Honestly, pretty good. Um, I know, I know, Josh has had his issues with this movie. I share some of them. Um, I'm totally throwing you under the bus. That's fine. But um, Uh, Throw me under the bus. Run me over. For for a first-time director, it makes a lot more sense that we got what we got. Mm -hmm. We may not have the wherewithal to be like, no, we don't need dialogue. Um, It might have been a decision on his part to be like, well, we've got to have dialogue. You know? Um, Who knows? I don't want to ascribe any motives to the guy, but for first-time directorial directorial debut Mm. um you could certainly do a lot worse and as a matter of fact i enjoyed this quite a lot so i'd say strong work keep it up wow what
1: about you josh let's get the other aisle of this topic Hmm.
0: i would say that first time director i i would be impressed to me a person's first published work regardless of movie book whatever like is always going to be garbage like, even if it goes to a million different people and has financing and things like that. So that's why giving a 7 out of 10 is someone's first movie, I think, is generous. Mm. And so I really did enjoy it. As a first independent air quotes film, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it, it does a really good work. So I really liked it a lot. I definitely would consider second viewing, maybe maybe on mute. And with the movie's soundtrack <laughs> matching up, I you know have that cut instead. Um but I still maintain my original score 7 out of 10. It was it was a good movie. Yeah, really impressive for a directorial debut. There's definitely been some bigger names with worse directorial debuts in the past oh, yeah. so.
1: Oh yeah. What about you Diego? What would you think? Um
4: yeah, you know I'd I'd say it was a uh, it was a good time, you know, a good visual treat. I liked uh I'm always a fan of um of a uh, of like subplots and uh, and themes within movies of just what how people move and how they interact with one another and how we can just be seen as a different way. So yeah, it was a nice, nice little 50 minute movie that I felt like kind of just wrapped up, um, that like kind of wrapped up that story, which is always nice. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, sometimes you just don't have stories that just wrap up nicely. Yeah. And I felt like,
1: yeah, it strikes out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like with me, like he has, this is his first movie and he did a music video. For Carpenter Turbo Killer, and it is the same story, same visuals, and that's all he's done, to my knowledge. I just wonder the quality of his work beyond this band, like just him. I just wonder, yeah. does he have, you know, that creative muscle to flex when it comes to storytelling, as a part to, or as opposed to showing a story visually? It's like, you want to tell this story? Okay, I'll show you. I'll give you the lookbook. So I don't, I don't, I want to say yes, but with an asterisk, like I want to see your first film just so you, yeah. Mm. Yeah. you know, yeah, I'm
0: sure, I'm sure Carpenter Bret had a massive amount of input into like. The direction of the film, where things right. were going, the pacing, obviously, like, I'm sure he had a lot going on. Even if he did, the director was probably, like, leaning on him, like, hey, does this look good? I'm thinking about this. I'm going to give you the first cut. And, like, mm. like I would be surprised if, like,
1: Carpenter Burt was just like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. huh. Guess we'll never know until his second movie.
3: Do you think this paves the way for other bands to do the same, where they can elevate their music videos from just you know, a three, four minute thing to a, a kind of less than feature length production.
1: Yeah, you know, I was about to ask that Oh to my God.
3: Me. Whoa. So I swear, I did not look at your notes when you were out of the room. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I don't, I want to say that it is, so is this like a copycat uh, aesthetic when it comes to like, oh, synthwave. Let's make a movie out of that aesthetic. Um, or it was a love letter to Synthwave. I, I'm not really entirely sure. But the point is, I don't think we're going to get, like, quote, other films inspired from this. I think this is definitely a flash in the pan mm-hmm. when it comes to this uh, art style and music style that's, like, crisscrossing right now. I mean, I want to see some stuff from other people about I don't think it's going to... I think it's just this is a one-and-done for maybe ever. Hmm. What do uh, you think? That's too bad. Because I would really like to see
3: more either in this style or, I guess, these kind of shorter movies as almost like a concept album for a band. Um, almost like uh, like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Right. Stuff like that. That'd be, that'd be nice to see that make a return because music videos have kind of fallen off as an, as an art medium like they used to be. Um, and something like this where it's a nice lightweight Kickstarter budget, mm-hmm. um, or at least a small enough project that you could kickstart and get off the ground, uh, and then make it. And then you're done. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to see some really cool works come out of it. And I think this is a pretty good example. Maybe not right. the best ever, but pretty
1: good. Right. what do you think, Josh? Um,
3: I think I would like to
0: see more. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely would not mind seeing more contributed to this kind of medium, but uh, to your point, Armand, I don't think we're going to see like a huge breakout of like this kind of um, film, this kind of medium. So I would like to see more. To your point, Aaron, I think it's a great, a great piece and movie, and what it tries to do, it does. What what it does well, it does really well. Mm-hmm. What it wasn't trying to do it, it it is barely there and it's more intrusive than anything but i think if it could inspire more directors and artists to take like this approach this kind of 50 minute 100 minute 110 hundred two two hour long like visual feast slash mixing music with it mm-hmm. I, i'm all for it like definitely if there could be more like it more like it'll definitely give people ideas i
4: think hmm. yeah. There I feel like is plenty of like what y'all are looking for in a sense. I oh. Yeah. Have you guys seen um Kanye West's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy? Because that is um so that album right I heard the album. Yeah, there's a literally like a, a video that goes with it that's like half the length of that. It's about twenty-five minutes oh. long. You've never dude. Is yeah. that no, the not one where the oh. people are
1: going up into the sky into the clouds? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um I guess that's not it. It's mm, Kanye West music video. No, this is not the one. Aaron, you would really like
4: this. Uh, I think, yeah, I'll have to yeah, check it out. Yeah, yeah. So that and um what else am I thinking of? Um Aug, which is the uh collective created by ASAP Rocky. It's like his creative label. Okay. They also have a another um like a album visualization, like a, a story. Tell uh, storytelling of the album, if you will. Okay. Um. And, and honestly, as someone who's very, uh, I think someone else who's like very large doing this. I know Beyonce's Lemonade has like, um, also like the album came out and then this whole movie, like that kind of like. You know, went along with the album, came out. And a lot of her visuals, too, are, like, interlaced and whatnot. Mm. And see, that's the other, I think, interesting thing, too, is that what you see from a lot of music artists is that they'll have each music video for an album they release are kind of yes like they they're not really technically together but they have visual themes within these music videos and i think it's like you know someone could easily splice these together right but yeah it is that kind of um that kind of thought of like that blend of music and art oh and another one um a third one that just came to my mind was um schoolboy q's blank face there's about three parts, and I want to say fifteen to seven minutes long, and each one is just like just kind of tells different parts of his life, mm. and at the same time, also just like um, you know, it is like bringing that uh, those um songs to to life, and like just really bringing mixing that sound and uh sound in them, uh, visual, visual and audio, yeah, <laughs> my flow,
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe I just haven't been looking hard enough, you know, yeah. All right, guys, do we think this film was faithful to its name? Was it a space opera, or was it just a science fiction movie that's pretending to be an opera?
5: Yeah. Uh,
3: i I think that lo- that circles back to what Josh was saying earlier that mm-hmm. the term "space opera" has been like stretched far enough to be to cover so many different things that we don't really know what it means anymore. Um, if you're thinking on the more literal like opera set in space. Uh, kinda. It has that kind of stage play um mentality that mm-hmm. I think could fit that, um, but not a lot of the other features of opera um, like vocalists and uh, kind of high drama in space. Um, right. So it kind of lives up to its name, not really. Um. And. Blood Machines, whether it lives up to that title, I think really depends on how you interpret the content of the movie. Uh, so I will leave that alone. But <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like baby's first space opera. Let's put it that way. And I'm is only half serious because it, maybe it's the
1: great value version. The of Great space value. Opera, yeah. Like Star Wars or something.
3: Yeah. And I, I, I am only half serious because I think there is a lot to celebrate here. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of opportunities for growth as they say in hr it's good
1: (laughs) josh i think uh, we all know where you stand
3: Uh, yeah
0: um living up to the name is the question i i mean i guess (laughs) is what it comes down to i mean it's like okay i mean I, I didn't I didn't the name's not so out there that I'm like what the hell am I watching what's the movie called what is this shit but, but at the end of the day you, you really could have come up with any other badass like combination of words yeah. mm-hmm. which you know if you look at Carpenter Britt's titles of his songs they're all like blood machines or turbo killer or yeah. stuff like that you know so, so I feel like this is kind of the same spirit that blood machine sounds great I think it fits mm-hmm. I think it fits the movie but he, he could have really called it anything else, and it would have been fit as well. Like-
1: Honestly, it tapped into that B movie aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's like a Grindhouse or something. Maybe. Yeah. So Diego, what did you think? Did it is it a space opera to you? Uh, I guess. Um. Uh, what is the specific term for space opera again? It's just like oh, it, drama in space, a right? Drama. In space,
4: Wait, space. Yeah. space, I mean, uh, yeah, I definitely say so. And uh, in terms of the title, of "Blood Machines," bl- the title "Blood Machines" honestly does give me very culty vibes. Mm. Honestly, and yeah. it just makes me think of like sacrifice, and um, I don't know. I didn't. I I thought the whole idea of like the machines having life was like really cool. So as soon as that, as yeah. soon as that, you said like in the beginning of the movie, she's like she's like she's dying she can't come back and i'm like yeah. oh this is okay i, I see where this <laughs> is going with this this is kind of cool like you know it's i uh i liked it it was honestly it was uh it was a treated movie it was a good time i just didn't ex- i just i guess um traditionally staying away from like this almost reminds me of, like a movie you'd see on sci-fi channel and everyone's kind of like "Oh," yeah, uh, right. but then like honestly it was cool sharknado
1: i mean <laughs> never seen it sharknado in hey, it's space. not that bad. Imagine if like Robert Eggers directed this movie, and mm-hmm. like I want to make a space opera with horror elements. Who's Robert Eggers again? He created The Witch. Which one's The Witch again? The Vavitch. The Vavitch. Oh yeah, <laughs> Vavitch. with Anya Taylor Joy. I don't know who. I know. Uh, the girl from Last Night in Soho.
0: Imagine Queen's
1: it. Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Ah, oh, yeah. okay. Split.
0: Imagine if Tommy
1: Wiseau had directed Blood Machine. Oh, it would you know what? We would be like, you know what? This dialogue is
0: amazing. (laughs) He's like he's like, but why doesn't the captain have a girlfriend? Why doesn't the girlfriend have a girlfriend? Why doesn't the captain have a best friend sleeping with his girlfriend? Oh hi Mark.
1: (laughs) I love Lisa very much. She has my ship. (laughs) I hate that movie so much.
4: I don't hate it. Excuse me. I digress. Don't listen to me. I'm being tearing me
1: apart. Diego. <laughs> well,
4: I'm really happy you didn't say Lisa.
1: It was good. it's good. Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's get to the final question. Would you recommend Blood Machines as is, you know, we can create our own Blood Machines. We'll call up Denis Villeneuve, get Robert Eggers to write it. It would be amazing, but mm-hmm. we don't have that. We have Seth Eckerman and Carpenter Brut. Would you recommend this film, Blood Machines, to a friend?
0: Um... As is, it would be very, very specific friends for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just recommend it to anybody. It's very much a David Lynch of sci-fi films. like, yeah. And I don't mean David Lynch movies as sci-fi films since he's done those. I mean, if David Lynch was a sci-fi movie, this would probably be it. It's chaotic. It's colorful. It's really out there. It's got some cool shit going for it. It does some wacky and interesting and really wow, groundbreaking things. But it's still David Lynch, and David Lynch is weird by his very nature. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'd recommend it to some specific people that you know would love you know visual treats like this. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend it to somebody who is looking for a specific kind of movie a specific genre gotcha. and just recommend to anybody it's like oh, i like the matrix can you recommend anything like that oh yeah go see blood machines like it's like what the fuck did you ask me to watch josh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um yes with an asterisk yes with an asterisk and in terms of in any other way i would have to vote having been filled with a lot of anticipation for Dune number two, especially after Christopher Walken got identified as uh, mm-hmm. as uh, the Emperor. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm super hyped for that. So my mind's probably there. And when I say definitely a Denny Villano version would just blow me out of the water, I would love to see what he would do mm. with this idea. Where if you just gave him the requirements and said, "I want you to make." A story that is about a rogue AI being chased by a corporation trying to repossess her, and she's granted life by a cult. And I want you to do it using the Carpenter Bird soundtrack. And Thank you'll just be like, all right, you got money. Cool. Let's do it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that. And with Alex Garland attached to it, the guy who made Ex Machina. Oh my God. That would be yeah, incredible.
0: Be incredible. So that's, that's where my answer is. How
1: about you, Diego?
4: Um, I would definitely love to just, uh, share the trailer to like a, like in a group chat and just be like, check out this movie I just saw and then drop the trailer. So I think that's, that's, um, that's the cool thing about this movie is that it's, it's like big winner is like Kickstarter is word of mouth. So I think yes to, I think I would have to agree with Josh, like definitely to the right group of people, right setting at the right time. Um, But I feel like there's a ton of other movies I'd probably just like kind of uh, suggest. I just think this one is just it's just fun. You know, like I I almost would love to see it in a big group just to get just to hear everyone's like, what, whoa, what? I think that would be a lot of fun.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. definitely.
3: The world is better because this movie is in it. So I have to recommend it. But it's not going to be for everyone. Um, Your average um, popcorn guzzling moviegoer probably they're probably going to get bored or it's not going to really work for them unless they like breasts and lots of them, (laughs) then this movie is going to be great. Um, if, if I have a friend who's into filmmaking, um, cinematography, if they appreciate, um, like B movies or lower budget projects, or if they like the synth wave aesthetic, or just visual storytelling in general, I think I would recommend this to them. Um, you know, if they're a bit more of a mature and nuanced um, uh, film goer, I think I would uh, recommend it to them. Not, not grandma, not your average, <laughs> not your average uh, Marvel DC uh, movie only fan. Um, no, because I think they're it's, it's not going to resonate well with them.
5: Right.
1: I was just thinking about, like, Marvel-only fans when you said that. Whoa. The way you phrased it. Marvel-only fan. Yeah. Anyways. So. I think Marvel would license that? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like, makes listen, money. When yeah. he makes some money, he lost a lot of money over the pandemic. So, but anyways, I would, I want to say yes for the same reasons as you, Josh, like, Definitely people need to be seeing this movie because it's so visually amazing, but you have to appreciate it. It's like when you go to the art museum, you know, you see all these wonderful movements of art. But, like, there's always that one person that really likes that style of artwork. And maybe it's not you. And with this movie, it's like, do you like cyberpunk? Do you like synthwave? Do you like kind of space operas? Movie might be for you. I think it's for you. And do you like weird movies? Then check this stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, I I guess I would say no. I would say no. You're not going to recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, to an average person, no. If you like that stuff, absolutely. You should go check it out. But like, that wouldn't be in my Rolodeck of like, hey, you want to watch a movie? Check Mm. this out.
0: (laughs) Your Rolodeck? Jeez.
1: (laughs) My Rolodeck of movies.
4: I agree. It's in the it's in the black small deck that's like, uh, not gathering dust, but like people are like, wait, what's in that one? Be like, no, no,
1: no, no, no. Let me tell you a story. Oh, okay. So I that happened to me. Like, <laughs> stop it. my friend was like, I want to see a really fucked up movie. No problem. Go watch Climax. It's a, it's another French movie. <laughs> it's a it's a movie about somebody accidentally getting dosed with lsd mm. and you just see the chaos that ensues as this party is all dosed with lsd and they're all losing their minds for some reason i thought you were going to make uh
0: what's that one movie oh shoot not saldo i can't remember the name of it salo salo, oh, salo. yeah Twenty days of yeah, Sodom. yeah i thought you were gonna reference salo Oof, i've never heard salo. That's, a,
3: that's a rough one if you
1: know you know you know oh,
0: okay if cool. you don't you're probably better for it oh wow okay
1: so I wouldn't, re- because like I recommended him that movie, like go watch climax.
0: You're just like you're just like I just want to fuck him up. I don't want to traumatize him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or um, or what's the other one? The um, uh, come and see. You can oh, see. Yeah. come oh, and see. Yeah. 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 That's another one. It's like <laughs> you, you, I, I remember somebody mentioned they said uh, they were like a victim of the Holocaust, and they went to go come and see, they went to go see come and see. Oh. And they were just like, yeah, no, that was pretty much it. That was that was pretty much uh, yeah, that's pretty much what the
1: what they did. I, yeah. Wow. So I that happened. I recommend one of those movies, and he texts it back. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you should, yeah. you should
0: recommend it come and see. Or solo. He stepped up, and then he stepped down. Exactly. That's right. Don't, don't ask, <laughs> don't, don't ask. See something will fuck you up if you don't want to be fucked up. Mm-hmm. With so your rec- movies it'll fuck you up. but I recommend this movie,
1: no. Because people would be like, what's what's wrong with you? Unless you like that, so.
0: Unless you like that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I want to see something that'll fuck me up. Okay, I'll send you E-bombs world. No, I want to be really fucked up. Okay, I'll send you 4chan.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) -hmm. Are you guys ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Let's do it. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about blood machines. Please check it out where it is available. And before we go, thank you, Aaron, Diego, Josh, for coming on to the show. Thanks
5: thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it was a great time. And if you want to hear more of Aaron, check him out on his podcast WSTR Galactic Public Access. Josh is on Instagram, three D modeling, and Diego is just an Instagram model now.
4: Nice. Called out. I uh, I was helping some people. I uh, was helping a friend uh, model off some of his products.
5: Mm-hmm. So, it was Hel- a helping gig. a friend,
4: guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was fun. We had mimosas and tirannos. Continue. Yes. But but if you want to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Or join the Discord server where you can catch myself, along with other podcasters and listeners, talking about this film and others at syndicate.com forward slash Discord. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.
4: A man my age holds certain beliefs.